Welcome to Jags Drive Time with Brian Sexton and J.P. Shagrin. Jags Drive Time starts right now. Yep. I can see my, I, I, I see my name in there. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. That's, that's funny as hell. I'm over there looking. My name is right on the down. <laughs> that's dope. Love that. <laughs> I really love that. I seen that from the road. I seen that from the highway from the bridge. Really is here, no doubt. <laughs> the core, the latest episode of The Hunt, which you can find on the Jaguars YouTube channel and across social media, is outstanding. It's 13 minutes of heaven if you're a Jaguars fan and taking you inside what's been going on and what is about to start beginning here as we get set for the offseason program to start next week, the draft the week after. Good morning and welcome to Jags Drive Time. Brian Sexton along with J.P. Shadrick. We brought the A-team in this well, morning I don't know about that, but from the afternoon. This is what happens. Are you before, normally awake at this time? Before noon. I, I didn't know. I uh, same know, thing. This right. is amazing. Yeah, um, it's good to be with you this morning. And everybody has a completely sort of different. They're chippy and happy in the afternoon in the morning before people get their coffee. <laughs> what do you want, J.P.? I'll tell you what, I love that Ridley bite there. It kind of awesome. tells you a whole lot about his mindset and his excitement to be yeah. back in the game, yeah. just to see his name on a video board again. It's been so long, and that kind of surprised him going over the bridge, it looked I got to like. tell you, I go back to the 2018 draft, and uh, the Jaguars, you recall, were drafting 29th that year because they had been to the AFC title game. And I was sitting there with Everett Sullivan um, and our our crew, right? And we're waiting. Where, you know, where are the Jaguars going to draft? Who's going to be available? Are they even here? Will there be somewhere for us to interview? And we got a list of players that the Jaguars were looking at at that point, right? And it was Hayden Hurst, the tight end, bowl school kid. And Taven Bryan, we all know how that one turned out. Uh, the linebacker, Evans, from Alabama. His first name escapes me at the moment. And then Calvin Ridley. And, you know, they just... The linebacker went, the tight end went, Ridley went. They got stuck with Taven Bryant. But I, it's interesting to me to see him here now because the Jaguars really coveted him back in 2018. They wanted that tall, long, fast receiver, and it, it feels like an extra first-round pick this year. And that was a, obviously a different decision-making group. So it, it tells you that the, the talent was there then. The talent hopefully is still there now with a different decision-making group making that move to get him. And you know he's got all the motivation in the world. There's no doubt about oh, that. Yeah. To a one-year deal and back every, in Florida. Come on, let's go. All right, so let's go with this thing we call big things right off the top. They're pretty generic today as we get within about two and a half weeks of the draft. But big thing one is who's number one. You look at the mock drafts. We do as well. You try to figure out which ones are credible. Who has some inside information? And there is this debate going on about who's number one. We'll get JP's thoughts on that. Big thing two. Who's coming up, right? And normally when we're talking about who's coming up, it's who's climbing the board, which players after the interview process and the uh, the, the combine and their, their pro day workouts on campus, who's climbing the board? We've got some thoughts on that, but which teams might be looking to come up? Draft capital is no longer what it was. Teams are willing to gamble, to make aggressive moves in the first round, to go and get the guys they want. They're not as hesitant as they were 10 or even 20 years ago. We'll talk about names who might be coming up the board and who might they be coming to get. And finally, big thing three, where's the first run? I mean, I think we all know quarterback is going to be that run right out of the gate. It's the value position, and there are some names. Might be overdrafted. That happens all the time. But what are the other spots that might be grabbing teams' interest and they want to go get their guy before all the guys 
that at least belong in the first round are gone. So those are the topics, and there are many others when we're talking about the draft this year. Let's start with who's number one. Now, all things being equal, yes, you do have a vested interest in one guy. Do I? Well, not really. But you're you're an Alabama guy, right? <laughs> well, I mean, you I, know the program inside and out. And well, I'm sure I don't you know about great... that. It's been a while since I've been there. Okay, I'm not trying to sell your credibility short, JP. I'm just saying we know that when Alabama loses a national championship game, you might not be happy. Uh, for what an hour? Okay, and then I go to work the next right, well, day. No the doubt. sun rises no in the doubt. east. <laughs> I don't get a ring. It does happen to you, doesn't it? It happens when you work in sports over time. Yeah. It happens. But Bryce Young is a guy. You've seen all the great players who have come through Alabama. You at least look at it close enough to know those guys. And this is, he's not the biggest. He doesn't have the biggest arm. He might not be the fastest. But this guy has been a winner par excellence. Wow. And he seems to be that guy that fits in comfortably at number one if height doesn't matter to you. Yeah, not the tallest guy, um, maybe not the biggest frame, but uh, the biggest moxie I think we've seen there in a long, long, long time. He made throws against Texas this year that I didn't didn't know a quarterback could make. Well, then, of course, the year before that, they're in the Iron Bowl at Auburn, no timeouts, their own three-yard line. They have to go the field to get a touchdown to send it to overtime. And they do it. They convert on a fourth down. He's throwing to a backup, starting Jameson Williams out of the game. He got ejected, so he finds a, a freshman wide receiver for a touchdown. And they go to four overtimes and win on the road. And it, he's done that a few times in his career where they're back against the wall. They somehow get down the field. He's making unbelievable throws. He has that ability to move and create some extra time. He's not necessarily a runner first. That's not his style. He's you know not that. But he can make that extra time and then, you know, make a throw that you just can't believe. So he, he's got his head on his shoulders. He's a smart guy. And, you know, you mentioned earlier that, you know, a lot of teams have been kind of talking to him and, and have set him down. And I could see in that environment where Bryce Young can wow you in an interview session because if you have time with him to sit down and he can talk through the game with you and, and do all that, he can he can wow some teams in that way. Well, and teams go deep now, especially when you're talking a guy that you're going to put a ton of money into besides the draft capital and that you're going to try to build a franchise around for the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. They went, apparently the Tepper family spent time with him and his family mm-hmm. in Tuscaloosa for Pro Day. They don't there's no stone they won't overturn to find out every little bit of information about especially a quarterback, but about a guy that you're going to try to craft your franchise around and build the pieces around for the next couple of years. Now, you mentioned something. Yeah. Jamison Williams was out of the game. Yeah. Uh, he's had a lot of star performers there. Oh, yeah. But they don't. when they talk about C.J. Stroud, the word on C.J. Stroud is he had an A-plus cast of characters. It was unbelievable. Right? I mean, the you, wide receivers last two seasons ago now is Garrett Wilson, Olave, and Jackson Smith and Jigba. And 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 there are kids that are coming up, Marvin Harrison Jr., and right. I forget the name of the other kid who's coming up behind him. That's right. And they are loaded and stacked. They don't say that about Bryce Young, which I find interesting because Young had an excellent cast of characters. I mean, the talent at Alabama has been as good. The draft proves it out as any over the last couple of years, but when they talk about Young, it's not, well, okay, you got to look and see because he played with the Jamison Williams of the world, you know, the great players. They do, they talk about th- that was C.J. Stroud. Yeah. I, I think at Ohio State, Stroud has they, – they've had more of a consistent draft – not draft, recruit and develop system there. They're not bringing in wide receivers that have transferred in. Those guys were recruited there and have stayed Buckeyes and have moved on up. Williams was at Ohio State yeah. and couldn't play 
and then had to transfer in and had the one year at Alabama and went off and won the Bolitnikoff and everything that went with that. So they've had some different kind of uh, building of that team in Tuscaloosa than than they may have had at Ohio State at the skill position. Now, running back's a little different at Alabama. They've developed those guys over the years and have rolled through there. But at wide receiver, you've seen some different pieces pop in there. Now, if you like size, Stroud's got it. 6'3", 220. There's There's a lot to like about him. Not a knock on him that he played with such great players because he played really well against Georgia, if you recall, the national semifinal game. Yeah. Now, you're not going to see him you know, run around. That's not his game at all. He's not a... He's not a scrambler. He's not a run first guy. He's a stand back pocket quarterback. And we're going to get to the offensive line a little bit later. Yep. I mean, when you have that group up front, you have some time to make decisions, go through progressions, and then make a pinpoint throw, which he can do. When he has the time, he doesn't really miss down the field. And, you know, you got star guys running uh, routes like they do at Ohio State. That helps. But he has that ability to, to really stand in there and make a big throw. It's hard to see how these guys aren't one and two. I mean, unless the Texans are willing to so this is move back and right? wait and find something different. So I just thought about this, and I saw it on uh, something on social media yesterday, and, and I think Ryan Leaf said it, uh, and I think he said that he stole it from somebody, but it made a lot of sense now that I th- I've thought through it. All right, so let's say Bryce Young's number one. Yeah. The Texans are number two, right? Sure. The agent for C.J. Stroud, David Mulligetta, who is – Deshaun Watson's agent. Yes. Do the Texans want to deal with that again? Well, there's so you know, many. That's of a those big situations. question. And and I thought Ryan made a really good point. I don't if you're an organization in the Texans, do you really want to go through all that again? Well, I, I know they look at things like that, right? There are some clubs that have great relationships. But back in the nineties and the early two thousands, it was Drew Rosenhaus. I mean, he was David Mulgetta. Yeah. He was the big name. And there were some franchises that just they struggled with him because of his brash South Florida personality. Yep. But everybody learned to get along with him you better. because, because <laughs> yeah. he was a powerful force among players. And if you wanted one of these guys, you were going to have to deal with Drew Rosenhaus. So my sense is, is that they could find a way to, if they love the talent. But, you know, the, the word is, is that, you know, they've got another pick coming up at 11. So perhaps they're willing to move around a little bit and wait on the quarterback. Next year's a good year for it as well. This is not a playoff year for these guys. It's you know it's the first year with a new coach. Defensive-minded head coach. Right, and maybe maybe Will Anderson, oh, another Alabama guy, yeah. is, is tough to pass on. But I think if Stroud goes and Bryce Young goes, now, now we start to get interesting, which brings us to big thing too, right? And that is who's coming up and for whom? Mm. Are you coming up for quarterbacks? I, well, I, the Panthers have already come up for a quarterback. Right. So that's done. We're assuming that they're doing it. But are the Colts coming up to see that they can get their guy, whether it's Anthony Richardson or Will Levis, or are both of those guys a little bit – and you know how this one goes now. You look at all the mock drafts and you read everything. You talk to people around the league. No one knows for sure how these guys are valued. Mm -hmm. And so maybe those guys are a little bit oversold. Maybe someone's coming up for Jalen Carter. Maybe. Maybe someone's willing to, to take a chance on that, who might be the best player in the draft. And they don't want to pass on it because there's not many defensive tackles. And considering everything that's happened off the field recently with him, maybe he slides a little bit. And if that begins, who makes the run and who who's willing to deal with some of that? Or is that even a big deal to anybody? That's a great question. Because, yeah, I think Stan, last year, two years ago, he was probably the best defensive lineman on that team. Right. When all those guys came out after the first championship. Uh, and he's had another year of seasoning in college to go with that. Now, I think people might be scared away a little bit from his pro day. I mean, he had to quit early, wasn't really into it. All the all the reports from 
from Athens were that, that he couldn't finish drills, and that's on top of everything that happened uh, with the racing incident. So um, that he claims was not racing, of course. So, you know where he's from? No. High school? Where? Apopka. Oh, yeah. Same high school as Warren Sapp. Ah. He had the draft day slide as well. Remember, yeah. the, the Bucks saved him. Yeah, as he as he got to the end of the top ten there. Something in the water down there because they're both pretty darn good players. Uh, well, yeah, one's a Hall of Famer and the other guy looks like he's got the potential to be yeah. a great NFL player. That all obviously brings us to the third of our big things, and that is you know where are the runs right. So we talked about quarterback and and quarterbacks obvious, and and here are some positions and some names that could spark a run as we look at it. And right out of the gate, JP, you see that this cornerback position yeah. could be one that sparks it. You've got um, Christian Gonzalez from Oregon, who was at Colorado. You've got Devin Witherspoon, the young man from Illinois. Uh, Joey Porter Jr. with the great NFL bloodlines, his father obviously, Joey Porter, who is in Pittsburgh. And then Deontay Banks at Maryland. So you've got some guys there. And do they fit in the top five? No, not really. But you're starting to see Christian Gonzalez's name climbing the board and Witherspoon climbing the board. And if they go, how long is it before someone says, hey, look, Porter and Banks are going to go, and I don't want to be stuck without one of these four guys. I thought I could get them at 21. Yeah. I'm going to have to go up if I'm the Chargers or the Ravens, whoever it is. You know, they, and they have a lot of influence on the draft, whoever they are, uh, say that the cornerback position is deep. Well, it's not so deep if all the top guys start going in a row. 100%. And you got to start making a move to get one of those guys. Witherspoon, really good player at Illinois. Uh, Big Ten DB of the year and put together a great career. And we know the Illinois influence and the ownership here. So that, you know, who knows with that. Um, and then Porter, NFL bloodlines, you talked about it, but can make big plays on big stages for Penn State. Ridiculous length. Yes. I mean, this guy, he reminds me physically of Jalen Ramsey. And there aren't many corners that have that presence on the field. The broad shoulders, the long, long arms. arms. right? Huge yep. hands for Joey Porter Jr. Look at the size of this guy. Yeah. He's got boxing gloves on the end of those those arms, and they bat balls away. He is a playmaker. And Banks apparently turned in a ridiculous workout. And so when you're looking at these guys, there is all sorts of big play potential in those four, right? Forget Cam Smith or Brian Branch and some of these other guys, names that you're starting to get a sense of. These guys are the elite first-round grades and they could start a run early. How about how about go ahead. I was going to say edge. I, I was mean, just about you to know, go there. because it's quarterback, it's protecting the quarterback, it's going to get the quarterback, yeah. right? And then it's defending guys that the quarterback's throwing to a corner. I don't know if that's the order just depends on the, who you ask. Sorry, just look at the wingspan yeah, on Joey Porter Jr. Freak, yeah. So, uh, you know, Will Anderson Jr. is the, probably the top guy, right? right? Um Tyree Wilson from Texas Tech, good player. Nolan Smith, if he's healthy, right. he had the pectoral injury 100%. midseason. So let's see if he's from out of Georgia. Um, a guy like B.J. Ojolari, LSU, who put in some time down in Baton Rouge. His brother was a draft pick, I think, two years ago now. Um, and he is more of an edge rusher than he is a stand-up off-the-ball guy. So he could be in that mix as well and, and put up some big numbers and, at LSU. And Luke Van Ness from Iowa and Miles Murphy are guys that if there's a run, right? And when you're sitting at 24, you hope there's a run on some positions. Hopefully it's not in the position you want, mm -hmm. but that pushes someone down the board that you might not have anticipated was there for you. And then, of course, receivers. You could see Jackson uh, – 
Smith, uh, Smith and Jigba, Jigba yeah. uh, Jordan Addison, Zay Flowers, Quentin Johnston. That could start a run as well. And there could be an offensive lineman that you might not have thought might have made it through that is all of a sudden sitting there. If not at 24, well, maybe at 18. And you figure it's worth the cost to go get. A couple years ago, all the, the other two receivers at Ohio State opted out of the Rose Bowl. And he just puts up 300-something yards <laughs> in the Rose Bowl. Jackson <laughs> Smith and Jigba. The guy's unbelievable. He's a slot guy, but he's they couldn't stop throwing it yep. to him. Pretty darn good. Yeah. All right, that'll do it for big things. When we come back here on Jags Drive Time with J.P. Shadrick on a Tuesday morning, we'll take a look at the offensive line prospects that belong somewhere between number five and number 24 and discuss how they might impact the Jaguars. All coming ahead here on Jags Drive Time from TIAA Bank Field in Jacksonville. All right, rolling right along here on a Tuesday morning. Two weeks and two days from the start of the NFL draft. I'll Unreal. be in Kansas City providing coverage. Unreal. We'll be here anchoring. Two weeks? Two weeks and a couple uh, of days. Where did the offseason go? That's what happens when you're good. Well, that's it, right? I mean, you get towards the cusp of February now. All of a sudden, March and free agency is upon you before you can even blink, which means the draft is right there as well. Amazing. Sorry to interrupt you. No, no. That's what we do here, right? <laughs> that is what we do here. So the draft begins in, um, like I said, two weeks and two days. Jags are 24th in the order from Union Station in Kansas City. We have talked about three position groups being the primary position groups that the Jaguars should look at, are looking at. It's guesswork, right? That's what the draft is. Uh, last week, we looked at corners. This week, we're looking at offensive linemen. Mm -hmm. So let me throw some at you. Uh, and offensive tackle, obviously, in particular, Peter Skaronsky from Northwestern. People are talking about him as a guard. We're going to talk about him as both. Mm -hmm. Paris Johnson Jr., you want to talk about one of the proverbial climbers, guys who are shooting up draft boards? What a big, talented kid. And one of two really good offensive tackles at Ohio State last year. C.J. Stroud had it. Um, well, he had, it was golden last year for him. And then uh, Broderick Jones from the national champion Georgia Bulldogs. He's a powerful guy. Um, Darnell Wright, we've seen him mocked to the Jaguars. Should he slide that way? A guy who's played guard in both tackle spots uh, in his time in Knoxville. And then Osiris Torrance, a one-year guy down in Gainesville. Transferred in with Billy Napier, but is only the fifth first-team All-American offensive lineman in Florida history, which says something about his talent. He is primarily a guard, but a guy that you could look at as a right tackle. So let's go back to the guy all the way there on the left of the screen. Skaronsky, because he's a great story, right? Born and raised in Chicago. Opted away from Michigan and Notre Dame yeah. because he uh, fell in love with the Northwestern program. <laughs> it's tough to do, by the way. Yeah, well, that coach there is pretty special. He is. And uh, Pat Fitzgerald. Yep. Then he is a guy whose grandfather played for Lombardi. So, I mean, you want to talk about a throwback. He's strong. He's powerful. He's not really tall. He's not really long, J.P., but he's got a great pedigree. We're watching him with the 225 pounds on the bench press. Grandfather won five NFL championships and the first two Super Bowls. And apparently, before he passed a few years ago, the two were exceedingly close. Another reason he stayed to play in the Northwestern program. This is a really good football player. This is a really bad football team. I mean, they were they were one and eleven last year. Yeah. Their one came in week zero in Ireland. They beat Nebraska and then lost the last eleven games in a row. And in six of those games, their offense scored single digit points. I mean, this offense stunk. It was bad. 
and for an offensive lineman to stand out for an offense that's ranking 106th in college football, yeah. it tells you something about his play and the respect of coaches and media people around that league, the top O-lineman in the Big Ten. First player in Northwestern history that's a unanimous All-America selection. I mean, the guy has skill. The question will be, and I think you touched on it earlier, is he a guard or is he a true tackle? He's played tackle his whole career. Um, the measurements, and some would say that his arms are a little shorter than a true prototypical tackle would well, like to be. Well, compared to Paris Johnson Jr., yeah. Well, who isn't? Everybody's right. arms are shorter than him and, and the other tackle at Ohio State. That's how it works. But, uh, you know, he's going to argue, hey, I'm, I can play tackle. And I can play both because, obviously, as the years go on, that position will pay out more money. Everybody's going to argue they can play tackle. But is he more of a prototypical guard with that – um, the style of play to, to go with the measurables. I think that's a good question for somebody who would know more about it. Well, and that it, it goes to where he'll be picked because you mm. don't see many guards go in the top ten. And in right. my 30 years of covering this league, I've only seen three, right? Fair. I mean, we saw Quentin Nelson a few years ago and Chance Womack from uh, Alabama mm -hmm. a couple years before that. Chris Naoli back in the day. That's a while ago Yeah, now, it's though. been a while. There aren't many guards that go in the top ten. Now, the guy next to him, Paris Johnson Jr., is a Cincinnati kid. He was the number two overall recruit behind Bryce Young. And this is a guy who he's got it all. He's got the length. He's got the competitiveness. You realize he's fluent in Mandarin, Chinese, right? And has already graduated with his undergraduate degree. He's very bright. He is a very competitive football player. But more importantly than that, the upside on him is he could be one of the best tackles in football. You're not taking a chance when Paris Johnson Jr. is your guy. Long arms, 36 inches. And now uh, you see it on the bench press there. He's, he's throwing weight around. That's fine. He's 6'6", 313. But think about, I mean, we talked about Stroud earlier, right? And yeah. the time he had to make throws and the receiving core and everything. But he had that base in front of him. This is the left tackle, Paris Johnson. The right tackle, Dewan Jones, had the longest wingspan in the history of senior bowl measurements ever. 89 and a half inches. So these guys That's are ridiculous. freaks. Just freaks, both of them. So... And now, Dewan Jones is a true right tackle. You know, has been a project over the years. Is just a big physical dude, and is not going to move a lot. So he's a second to third round guy. Paris Johnson, on the other hand, is a prototypical left tackle. Has the movement ability. Has the long reach to do it. And he he's more of a prototypical, obviously, tackle than Skaronski. I don't know whether you saw the video. It was all over social media of. C.J. Stroud watching his workout and saying, my dude is a tight end, right? That's how good <laughs> yeah. he moves. Broderick Jones, we know Does his history. Does he have hands, though? Can he catch? Well, no, I don't know. Probably we'll find not. out. <laughs> Broderick Jones from George is a guy that they compared to a basketball player. 6'6", uh, 313 pounds. He, you know, he's a guy who has proven it on the field. Back-to-back uh, -back years. Long-term starter there. Um I want to talk about Darnell Wright and Osiris Torrance, though, because those are the two guys, I think, that are most likely to be in the Jaguars' crosshairs. Now, not necessarily sitting there, but within reach or maybe getting there. Yep. Uh, Wright is a guy who's played a couple of different positions during his time there. Dependable. He's got length. He's proven himself in the Southeastern Conference, which we know has the best of the best players in it. And then Osiris Torrance is an interesting story. Um comes in as a guard and overpowers people right but they could see him playing right tackle he stayed home to play in louisiana mm -hmm. for billy napier and then decided why not challenge myself you know at the highest level let's go see if i can play in the sec oh first year first team all sec 
first team All-American, did not allow a sack, did not have a penalty in his one year in the SEC. That's kind of hard to do for an offensive line. It's tough to do, really tough to do. You talked about the, the talent on the other side of the ball around the conference, and, and that goes down to Florida as well. So stood out in a big way, but a guard, right? Again. A guard, maybe a right tackle because he's got the height and the length. He's 6'5", he's 330 pounds. He's roughly the same size that Juwan Taylor was. So he could play over there. True. That's at least what some observers say. True. But if you plug him in a guard right now, wow. I love the uh, Darnell Wright um, idea, right? Because he's played so much football at a high level. Played, what, 47 games we just saw on the screen there. It left and right tackle. It's been all over the place. And uh, He's another one that's uh, getting a little chippy about people saying he's just a right tackle. You know, he's He's been on social media, I guess, reportedly the last day or so, snapping back at some media types about, oh, Did I'm a left tackle. Did he see what Juwan Taylor got as a right tackle? I know. But, $20 million um, a year, pretty good. So I like the way and the way that Tennessee program has changed over that time, too. Yeah. They've had different styles and coaching styles and offensive styles. And, you know, they've had a running quarterback last year. And, okay, well – you can play in those different types of situations no matter who's behind you. That tells you a lot about his versatility. And here's what you can see watching him right now. He's got powerful hands. They call them heavy hands. And watch the way he strikes the bag. He's a guy who's known to have one of those powerful punches. Longtime Jaguars fans know Leon Searcy and the way that Leon Searcy would knock guys off balance in their rush because when he hit you, you went the other direction. The word on this kid is he might have the best punch in the draft. And if you're talking about a right tackle... Man, because most teams are right-handed and run right, to have that kind of power is exactly what you're looking at. All right, that'll do it for a look at the top offensive line prospects and who might be somewhere in the Jaguars' sight. We'll see. We'll find out two weeks, two days to the NFL draft. When we return, we'll take a look at the Jaguars' offensive line, a look at the depth chart, talk about the addition of Josh Wells. Nice to have him back. He's one of the really good guys. What does Chandler Brewer bring, and where does this group fit coming off of a successful year for this one under Phil Rauscher. That and more coming ahead on Jags Drive Time. Well, whether you need air, electric, or plumbing service, Donovan is always a great call. They've been trusted by their customers for nearly 40 years. Trust them to deliver fast, reliable air, electric, or plumbing service to your home. Call Donovan today. Ryan Sexton and J.P. Shadrick with you here on Jags Drive Time on a Tuesday. Thanks for filling in. Yeah, it's great to be here. We we're, were talking in the break about the joys of social media these days yeah. and the ability for you know players to to always... snap back and, and tell their side of the story. And um, hey, it's just a fascinating time. It's a powerful tool. Sometimes it should be used less, but hey, who am I to say that, right? Yeah. Who made you the boss? Yeah, no, 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 no. Right. trust me. I'm not. I choose to use it less, but go. you go ahead. Do what you want to do. Um, all right. Let's take a look at the Jaguars' offensive line. Two additions last week, one we know well, uh, and one that we'll have to get to know. Josh Wells returns. He and Cam Robinson are on the left side. Wells, he's a great guy. Remember when he showed up here in 2014? He was a converted quarterback turned tight end turned tackle yeah. from high school through James Madison. James Madison. And every places. time he got a chance to play – he showed you enough to make you think he might be the guy. And then he got nicked up. He got, yeah, he got dinged up a lot. He, he struggled early issue. in his career to stay healthy. Well, but, you know, then he goes over and wins a championship with Tom Brady. Apparently, people in Tampa say 
Brady loved him. Who he was is a him? terrific yeah. addition back to this room. And oh, by the way, he's Tyler Shatley's best friend. They live a few doors down from each other, and we're in the same class together, undrafted, which is remarkable that the two undrafted guys are still in the league yeah. at that long. It, it's remarkable that undrafted guys are in the league at all. I mean, that, that rarely happens. It's happened a lot more here than a lot of other places around and the contributing. league. contributing. I mean, Tyler yes. started the last yes. 11 regular season games last year. They're, they're guys you have to have yeah. on the roster. It's, it's a huge addition to have him because if Walker Little's going to slide in and be the right tackle, and right now that's where we have him on our unofficial depth chart, you got to have a swing tackle. And there's not another one over there. I think they thought Cole Van Landen might be a guy who could be a right tackle and a guard, but we've only seen him at guard mm-hmm. in the few snaps that Brandon Sheriff was out last year battling that core injury. This is a group, JP, that last year only allowed Trevor Lawrence to be sacked 27 times, right? In in 17 regular season games and two playoff games, he was only sacked 27 times. They took the running game up to a completely different level. Now, a big deal of that is obviously having a guy like Travis Etienne, who averaged more than five yards a carry last year, but they went to 125 rushing yards per game, 4.7 per carry. They had six games where they didn't allow a single sack, not a single one. And over the five-game winning streak, they only allowed five. And by the way, what we can't tell you is how many of those were Trevor getting rid of the ball, right, as he's about to run out of bounds, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, it's just one of those things where the offensive line played so well last year, and yet people still think they've got to be a lot better. Yeah, they they really played well. I think a lot of that is the attitude that Sheriff brought to the team. Yeah. I mean, playing and he played hurt a lot of that stretch run last season. And for him to be out there and fighting through what he was going through, I think that told you a lot about his grit and what this season meant to him. And I think the offensive line took a, a lot from him. And then the ability of Shatley just to step in there and, and do what he needed to do whenever the team needed it. Uh, those two veteran guys up front really set the tone. And then, of course, the right tackle played out of his mind last year in a contract year, which certainly helped. And uh, Cam Robinson, solid, solid left tackle. Um, can obviously in the run game bring the power when he needs to and has that attitude about him. Uh, this was a good group. Now, you get Barch back. Is he going to be, you know, he said last I talked to him, his rehab was going well. It's been a little bit. He was but, playing pretty good before he got hurt, And too. he was. So that, that you know, you're pretty confident that, Hopefully, if he's healthy, he's back and at least close to the level that he was when he went away. Um, and then we'll see about the rest. And, and Walker Little, is he is he going to be your regular right tackle? Are they going to compete? Are they going to maybe see if he can play left? And is, is Cam open to playing right? I said on last week's happy hour, I wouldn't do that. I mean, you paid Cam Robinson to be the left tackle. Right. Um, he's the left tackle, in my opinion. I don't know if that's what they're thinking. But as of right now, he's the left tackle until he's not. Well, they paid him, so maybe that would make the decision easier because he got paid like a left tackle. That's right. We'll see where that one goes. The thing you know is this, is that Cam has two more years left on his deal, and Walker Little's a guy that you need to find out whether he can play or not. Well, I think you found out at the end of last season, down the stretch. Can he play right tackle? Right. We're going to find out whether he can or he can't. But you you need a young tackle. And if you're sitting there, it's a tough position to find. And if you're sitting there at 24 and one of those guys that we just talked about is there, man, 
it's hard to pass on those guys. Yeah, there's only so many big, talented offensive linemen that, move. that can move. And we just in saw the those guys move, right. So it's called you, the planet theory. It was George Young, the late, great general manager of the Dolphins and the, uh, the Giants who came up with that one. But you know, it, this is a good offensive line group. Even without Juwan, right, they're still going to line up and be able to play and play well. But there's no depth there. I mean, it's not a knock on Josh, but there's no depth there for the future if you don't take a tackle. Yeah, I mean, in the Wells first two is rounds. what a ninth year, yeah. tenth year yeah. swing guy. He's, so, yeah. all right, and he's on point. a one year deal anyway. So, at this point, you're looking for guys that you can build on, and that might be the spot. Might not be in the round, the first round. It, it might be in the second round. Well, it might be a couple guys. Yeah, I mean, you, you never know because, like you said, you can never have too many of them, and. You know, you can only get them in a few places. Right. The draft is one of the important places to find those guys. But you feel good with Robinson, Barch, Fortner, Sheriff, and Little. Let's on go play. Day. Yeah, roll yeah. the ball out. Yeah, Let's go. Feel good about it. Not a lot of holes in that. We we'll take that. All right, we'll come back and wrap up Jags Drive Time with JP Shadrick here on a Tuesday morning. Right after this. Well, Magellan invites you to help them move the freight. They have been voted the coolest office space in Jacksonville. You can apply online at MagellanLogistics.com and help them move the freight. I was I was hoping you were going to chant it like the commercial. Move the freight. Move the freight. You just the, did. Come on, man. I knew you were going for it. I, would, I was counting on you. That's what Osher always does. That's what we do here. Yeah. Uh, appreciate Magellan as a sponsor <laughs> of the show. We do. A couple of notes. Uh, the draft's in Kansas City. And oh, I, uh, that's your, that's your it, territory. It's, it's my hometown, right? Uh, had family there, grew up there. The no, town that Sexton built. No, I wouldn't say that. I know it well. Barbecue built it. Barbecue built it. <laughs> um, they're expecting 300,000 folks, which would make it the largest sporting event ever held in Kansas City. It's a lot of burn-ins. If you call it a... Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if you call it a sporting event. It, if you look at the ratings, it is, right? I mean, the draft does better ratings than other sports on TV in their regular seasons. Um, Nashville, I think... I, Vegas was Vegas. Dallas, Philly, Chicago, they all did a great job. I thought Nashville a few years ago in 2019 did as good a job as anybody ever has. I mean, it, that was fantastic. The stage on Broadway, oh. it's set up with all the bars and everything. And, and the cameras, you know, the, you know, the yeah. cameras on cables yeah. that they have here in the stadium, they had them running down the length of Broadway. Nashville was as good as it got. They had 600,000 people there for that. It didn't feel that way. Uh, Kansas City, in the middle of the country, kind of like Nashville, I think they have a chance to have a huge crowd show up. It should be fun, and of course, they're the world champions, and it's a chance for them to show off and show off their barbecue. Um, so we need more chiefs in our life. Yeah, great. Yeah. But I had I, enough I, of those guys. Trust me, I deal with it more than you can imagine. <laughs> I had enough of those guys. Uh, final thought, YouTube is uh, is the home of the direct ticket. You said they've just announced their package. Yeah, so YouTube, they've announced today NFL Sunday ticket will be on, obviously, YouTube TV. But they've announced that current YouTube TV members can add Sunday ticket at a pre-sale price of $249 for the season. That's $100 off the retail cost of it. You can add Red Zone as well. So it's not going to be – it'll be online. It'll be Everywhere streamed. you go. So you don't have to have the dish anymore to God. do it. YouTube is cool. TV is a very convenient thing. It certainly is. I think you can watch up to five feeds at once oh, on your login, which is pretty cool. It's preposterously good. I used to, on college football, I would have like four different TVs in the living room, and I would have four different games on at one time over YouTube TV. It was the best Saturdays ever. Uh, Unbelievable. I come from an era where you got one game, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> Maybe you got two. Not many. Four at the same time? My God, the Jetsons is coming to real life. And How far we away? We're talking about Kansas City. Yeah. Let's go back to that real quick. 
Sorry. How far away is Union Station from like Power and Light and the World War One thing? Well, so and, Union and, Station's and, right like, next to Arrowhead the and all that. All right. So Union Station is right in the heart of downtown, and it's right across the street from the Liberty Memorial, mm. which is the World War One museum, and it's fantastic. If you're going, uh, you'll want to make time to go see that. That museum is amazing. It's probably a mile as the crow flies south of the Power and Light District. Take you a little bit to get around there on I-35, and then Arrowhead is. Eight miles, maybe nine, to the east of Kansas City. Okay. So. Okay. I don't know that they're doing much at Arrowhead, but the Power and Light District will be rocking, for sure. And you got to reserve your spot now for the Duval Draft Party at the ba- at um, at Daly's place. That's coming up too. And where do people go to do uh, that? You can go to. Let's see here. Um, uh, you can watch the draft at eight o'clock, of course. Exclusive merchandise, everything. You can go to uh, jaguars.com. There's more there. Find links everywhere for that. And we always have the draft party there. Might be a little later night than yeah, normal. The twenty fourth. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that part of it, though. That's the beauty of it. Is um, you sit back with a playoff team, adding talent. It'll be a fun weekend. Draft always is. Two weeks, man. Yeah, two weeks and two days. Can't wait. Crazy, crazy. I'll bring some bird ends back for you. I can't you want wait. Gates, for that. you want Bryant's? Yes, both. Here we go. Oh, and by the way, there's a brand new airport terminal in Kansas City. If you've Thank ever flown through there, goodness. it's, the wor- it it's was a the worst miserable airport. airport. It was the worst they airport. They haven't touched it since 1968. Yeah. Until now. Well, they touched it to tear a part of it down, but now Good. it's gone, and there's a new terminal. So if you're flying out to Kansas City, something to look forward to. JP, thanks for coming in. Great to see you. Good morning. Appreciate it. Good morning. Yep, this is morning. This is what it's like. Yep, that'll do it. For everybody associated with our broadcast, for Joe and Reber, certainly appreciate you being a part of it today. Have a good one.